Book Three, Chapter Twelve of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Camilla or a Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Chapter Twelve, Airs and Graces upon entering the room camilla saw again the officers who had been there in the morning and who were now joined by sir sedley clarendale she was met at the door by major serwood who seemed waiting for her appearance and who made her his compliments with an air that studiously proclaimed his devotion she seated herself by the side of mrs arlbury to look on at a game of chess played by sir sedley and general kinsale clarendale said mrs orbury you have not the least in the world the air of knowing what you are about pardon me ma'am said the general he has been at least half an hour contemplating this very move for which as you see i now checkmate him pray sir sedley how came you at last to do no better thinking of other things my dear general is impossible in the extreme to keep one's faculties pinioned down to the abstruse vagaries of this brain-besieging game my head would be deranged past redress if i did not allow it to visit the four quarters of the globe once at least between every move you do not play so slow then from deliberating upon your chances but from forgetting them define my dear general to scrupulosity those exquisite little moments we steal from any given occupation for the pleasure of speculating in secret upon something wholly foreign to it are resistless to deliciousness i entreat and command you then cried mrs arbury to make your speculations public nothing will more amuse me than to have the least intimation of the subjects of your reveries my dear mrs arbury your demand is the very quintessence of impossibility tell the subject of a reverie know you not it wafts one at once out of the world and the world's powers of expression while all it substitutes is as evanescent as it is delectable to attempt the least description would be a presumption of the first monstrousness oh never heed that presumption will not precisely be a novelty to you answer me therefore my dear clarendel without all this conceit you know i hate procrastination and procrastinators still worse softly dearest madam softly there is nothing in nature so horribly shocking to me as the least hurry my poor nerves seek repose after any turbulent words or jarring sounds with the same craving for the rest that my body experiences after the jolts and concussions of a long-winded chase by the way does anybody want a good hunter i have the first perhaps in europe but i would sell it a surprising bargain for i am excruciatingly tired of it all the gentlemen grouped round him to hear further particulars except mr macdersey the young ensign who had so unguardedly exposed himself at the northwick ball and who now approaching camilla fervently exclaimed how happy i should have been madam 
if i had had the good fortune to see you meet with the accident this morning instead of being looking another way i might then have had the pleasure to assist you and oh how much more if it had been your divine cousin i hope that fair angel is in perfect health oh what a beautiful creature she is her outside is the completest diamond i ever saw and if her inside is the same which i dare say it is by her smiles and delicate dimples she must be a paragon upon earth there is at least something very inartificial in your praise said general kinsale when you make your panegyric of an absent lady to a present one oh general there is not a lady living can bear any comparison with her i have never had her out of my thoughts from the first darling moment that i ever saw her which has made me the most miserable of men ever since her eyes so beautiful her mouth so divine her nose so heavenly and how cried sir sedley is the tip of her chin no joking sir said the ensign reddening she is a piece of perfection not to be laughed at she has never had her fellow upon the face of the earth and she never will have it while the earth holds upon account of there being no such person above ground and pray cried sir sedley carelessly how can you be sure of that how why by being certain answered the inflamed admirer for though i have been looking out for pretty women from morning to night ever since i was conscious of the right use of my eyes i never yet saw her parallel a servant was now bringing in the tea but his lady ordered him to set it down in the next room whence the gentleman should fetch it as it was wanted major Sirwood took in charge all attendance upon camilla but he was not therefore exempt from the assiduities required by mrs arbury for whom the homage of the general the colonel and the ensign were insufficient and who had a score more been present would have found occupation for them all sir sedley alone was excepted from her commands for knowing they would be issued to him in vain she contented herself with only interchanging glances of triumph with him at the submission of every vassal but himself heavens cried she to colonel andover who had hastened to present her the first cup you surely think i have nerves for a public orator if i should taste but one drop of this tea i might envy the repose of the next man who robs on the highway major servot will you try if you can do any better for me the major obeyed but not with more success what in the world have you brought me cried she is it tea it looks prodigiously as if just imported out of the slop basin for pity's sake macdersey arise and give me your help you will at least never bring me such maudlin stuff as this even your tea will have some character it will be very good or very bad very hot or very cold very strong or very weak for you are always in flames of fire or flakes of snow you do me justice ma'am there is nothing upon the face of the earth so insipid as a medium give me love or hate a friend that will go to jail for me or an enemy that will run me through the body riches to chuck guineas about like halfpence or poverty to beg in a ditch 
liberty wild as the four winds or an oar to work in a galley misery to tear my heart into a hundred thousand millions of atoms or joy to make my soul dance into my brain everything has some gratification except a medium tis a poor little soul that is satisfied between happiness and despair he then flew to bring her a dish of tea my dear macdersey cried she in receiving it this is according to your system indeed for tis a compound of strong and rich and sweet to cloy an alderman making altogether a luscious a syrup that our spring would be exhausted before i could slake my thirst if i should taste it only a second time do dear general see if it is not possible to get me some beverage that i can swallow the youngest man present was not more active than the general in this service but mrs albury casting herself despondingly back the moment she had tasted what he brought her exclaimed why this is worst of all if you can do no better for me general than this tell me at least for mercy's sake when some other regiment will be quartered here what a cruelty said the major looking with a sigh towards camilla to remind your unhappy prey that they are but birds of passage oh all the better major if you understand your own interest you will be as eager to break up your quarters as i can be to see your successors march into them i have now heard all your compliments and you have heard all my repartees both sides therefore want new auditors a great many things i have said to you will do vastly well again for a new corpse and to do you justice some few things you have said yourself may do again in a new county then addressing camilla she proposed though without moving that they should converse with one another and leave the men to take care of themselves and excessively they will be obliged to me she continued without lowering her voice for giving this little holiday to their poor brains for i assure you they have not known what to say this half hour indeed since the first fortnight they were quartered here they have not upon an average said about one new thing in three days but once obliged to take up with officers in the country because there's almost nothing else can you recommend me any agreeable new people oh no ma'am i have hardly any acquaintance except immediately round the rectory but fortunately my own family is so large that i have never been distressed for society oh i true your own family begin with that do pray give me a little history of your own family i have no history ma'am to give for my father's retired life oh i have seen your father and i have heard him preach and i like him very much there's something in him there's no turning into ridicule camilla though surprised was delighted by such a testimony to the respectability of her father and with more courage said and i am sure if you knew my mother you would allow her the same exemption so i hear therefore we won't talk of them it's a delightful thing to think of perfection but it's vastly more amusing to talk of errors and absurdities to begin with your eldest sister then she seems in just the same predicament as your father and but no mother 
so we let her rest too indeed she is she is as faultless oh not a word more than she won't do for me at all but pray is there not a single soul in all the round of your large family that can afford a body a little innocent diversion ah madam said camilla shaking her head i fear on the contrary if they came under your examination there is not one in whom you would not discern some foible i should not like them at all the worse for that for between ourselves my dear miss tyrold i am half afraid they might find a foible or two in return in me so you must not be angry if i beg the favour of you to indulge me with a few of their defects indulge you yes for when so many of a family are perfect if you can find me one or two that have a little speck of mortality you must not wonder if i take flight at your very name in charity therefore if you would not drop my acquaintance tell me their vulnerable parts camilla laughed at this ridiculous reasoning but would not enter into its consequences well then if you will not assist me don't take it ill that i assist myself in the first place there's your brother i don't ask you to tell me anything of him i have seen him and i confess to you he does not put me into utter despair he does not alarm me into flying all his race camilla tried vainly to look grave i have seen another too your cousin i think miss linmer that's engaged to young mandelbert camilla now tried as vainly to look gay she's prodigiously pretty pray is not she a great fool ma'am i beg your pardon but i don't suppose you are responsible for the intellects of all your generation however she'll do vastly well you need not be uneasy for her a face like that will take very good care of itself i am glad she's engaged for your sake though i am sorry for mandelbert that is if as his class of countenance generally predicts he marries with any notion of expecting to be happy but why ma'am cried camilla checking a sigh are you glad for my sake because there are two reasons why she would be wonderfully in your way she is not only prettier than you but sillier and would both those reasons cried camilla again laughing make against me oh intolerably with the men they are always enchanted with something that is both pretty and silly because they can so easily please and so soon disconcert it and when they have made the little blooming fools blush and look down they feel nobly superior and pride themselves in victory dear creatures i delight in their taste for it brings them a plentiful harvest of repentance when it is their connubial criterion the pretty flies off and the silly remains and a man then has a choice companion for life left on his hands the young ensign here could no longer be silent i am sure and certain cried he warmly miss linmer is incapable to be a fool and when she marries if her husband thinks her so it's only a sign he's a blockhead himself he'll be exactly of your opinion for the first month or two answered mrs arbery or even if he is not he'll like her just as well 
a man looks enchanted while his beautiful young bride talks nonsense it comes so prettily from her ruby lips and she blushes and dimples with such lovely attraction while she utters it he casts his eyes around him with conscious elation to see her admirers and his enviers but he has amply his turn for looking like a fool himself when youth and beauty take light and when his ugly old wife exposes her ignorance or folly at every word the contrast of beginning and end said the general is almost always melancholy but how rarely does any man nay i had nearly said or any woman think a moment of the time to come or of any time but the present day in marrying except with respect to fortune cried mrs albury and there methinks you men at least are commonly sufficiently provident i don't think reflection is generally what you want in that point as to reflection exclaimed mr macdersey tis the thing in the world i look upon to be the meanest a man capable of reflection where a beautiful young creature is in question can have no soul nor vitals for my part is my only misfortune that i cannot get at that lovely girl to ask her for her private opinion of me at once that i might either get a license to-morrow or drive her out of my head before sleep overtakes me another night your passions my good MacDersey, said mrs albury considering their violence seem tolerably obedient can you really be so fond or so forgetful at such short warning yes but it's with a pain that breaks my heart every time you contrive however to get it pretty soon mended that madam is a power that has come upon me by degrees i have paid dear enough for it nobody ever found it harder than i did at the beginning for the first two or three times i took my disappointments so to heart that i should have been bound for ever to any friend that would have had the good nature to blow my brains out but now you're so much in the habit of experience these little failures that they pass on as things of course no madam you injure me and in the tenderest point for as long as i have the least hope my passions as violent as ever but you would not be so unreasonable as to have a man love on when it can answer no end it's no better than making him unhappy for a joke there's no sense in such a thing by the way my dear miss tyrold and apropos to this miss lindmere said mrs albury do tell me something about mr mandelbert what is he what does he do always amongst you he he cried camilla stammering he was a ward of my father's oh i don't mean all that but what is his style his class is he agreeable i believe he's generally thought so if he is do pray then draw him into my society for i am terribly in want of recruits these poor gentlemen you see here are very good sort of men but they have a trick of sleeping with their eyes wide open and fancy all the time they are awake and indeed i find it hard to persuade them to the contrary though i often ask them for their dreams by the way can't you contrive some or other amongst you to make the room a little cooler shall i open this window said the major nay nay don't ask me i had rather bear six times the heat 
than give my own directions nothing in the world fatigues me so much as telling stupid people how to set about things colonel don't you see i have no fan i'll fetch it directly have you left it in the dining parlor do you really think i would not send a footman at once if i must perplex myself with all that recollection my dear miss tyrrell did you ever see any poor people that pretended at all to walk about and mingle with the rest of the world like living creatures so completely lethargic tis really quite melancholy i am sure you have good nature enough to pity them it requires my utmost ingenuity to keep them in any employment and if i left them to themselves they would stand before the fire all the winter and lounge upon sofas all the summer and that indolence of body so entirely unnerves the mind that they find as little to say as to do upon the whole tis really a paltry race the men of the present times however as we have got no better and as the women are worse i do all i can to make them less insufferable to me and do you really think the women are worse cried camilla not in themselves my dear but worse to me because i cannot possibly take the same liberties with them macdersey i wish i had my salts it shall be the happiness of my life to find them be they hid where they may only tell me where i may have the pleasure to go and look for them nay that's your affair why then if they are to be found from the garret to the cellar be sure i am a dead man if i do not bring them to you this mode of displaying airs and graces was so perfectly new to camilla that the commands issued and the obedience paid were equally amusing to her brought up herself to be contented with whatever came in her way in preference either to giving trouble or finding fault the ridiculous yet playful wilfulness with which she saw mrs orlbury send every one upon her errands yet object to what every one performed presented to her a scene of such whimsical gaiety that her concern at the accident which had made her innocently violate her intended engagement with edgar was completely changed into pleasure that thus without any possible self-blame an acquaintance she had so earnestly desired was even by necessity established and she returned home at night with spirits all revived and eloquent in praise of her new favourite End of chapter twelve read by Lars Rolander